listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, October the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and this week is leading up to Reformation, a celebration. I'll be doing some services on Wednesday night and also on Sunday. And so the readings are for the Day of Reformation. It just so happens that there are two gospel readings for the Day of Reformation, and there's also two hymns. Uh, Tomorrow, on Rumination Tuesday, as we develop the hymn, the one hymn, of course, is A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We've done that about ten times. (laughs) So we're going to look at the other hymn, Salvation Unto Us Has Come. Uh, Today, though, for looking ahead to the Gospels, the one is from John 8, and the other is from Matthew 11. So, without further ado, let's begin with John chapter 8 and verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, Jesus is talking to the disciples, but always around the disciples are these unbelieving Pharisees and scribes, and they're listening carefully to what Jesus says. He says, if you abide in my word, now what does that mean? It means when a child abides in the words of the parents, that child obeys the parents. And more than that, that child believes the parents. It's not just obedience that one abides in the word of the parents, but also faith. So if the parents say, yeah, tomorrow, Saturday around 11, we're going to go to uh, McDonald's, they believe that. They don't doubt that. And they are truly the children of those parents when they abide in the word of the parents. Jesus goes further and says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, the unbelieving Pharisees, etc., pick up on that, will set you free. Verse 33, they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, if I had been listening to that, I would have shown them that they made a mistake. What do you mean they had never been a slave of anyone? They have been enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years as offspring of Abraham. And right now, are they saying that Roman occupation does not put them under a form of slavery? So they're really not understanding Jesus at all. And it seems like they're not understanding their own history. So they ask him, how is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, that really needs to be analyzed very carefully. 
Because who among us does not sin? Everybody sins. So are we all slaves to sin? No, there's another word that Jesus uses that's very important. He's not talking about everyone who sins is a slave to sin, but everyone who practices sin. Now, what does it mean to practice sin? Well, I know some pianists, and they are very, very good, but that's because they practice sometimes four to six hours a day, and they become very good. In fact, uh, somebody indicated whatever vocation you have, uh, a book was written on this. Let's say you're a carpenter, or let's say you work with computers. If you put in 10 thousand hours in that vocation you will be an expert you will be a professional yeah i was just uh hearing a joke recently a man was saying how ignorant he is of computers and one time his computer broke so he phoned up apple to find out how to fix it and the man said well all you need to do is give me the numbers on your router. And the man on the phone said, well, I, I'm not in my woodworking shop right now. I'll have to go and get the router. And the fellow from Apple said, what? You leave your router in your woodworking shop? And the man said, well, where do you leave yours? I leave it on the desk beside my computer. Doesn't that make it kind of messy? <laughs> he said. <laughs> and, of course, he was talking about a woodworking router because the Apple guy says, well, what's the brand of your router? And he said, Black & Decker. He said, Black & Decker don't make routers. <laughs> Talk about people going over each other's head. The one guy is talking about a router that is a component of a computer uh, whereby you can get emails, things like that. The other guy is talking about a woodworking router. And finally, the Apple guy says, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? He said, no, I don't. Talk to me like I'm an eight-year-old. And the guy from Apple said, I've never met an eight-year-old who doesn't know what a router is. <laughs> That was really pretty good. So here we have the Pharisees saying, we've never been enslaved. And Jesus isn't talking about slavery to another nation. He's talking about slavery to sin for those who practice sin. That word practice is really important. A person who practices sin loves to sin. It's not just something that they do by accident, but they plan it, and there is no repentance. That's practicing sin. And when you practice sin, you're a slave to sin. What does that mean? Well, we're actually helped by the epistle reading for Reformation Sunday, where Jesus says that by works of the law... No human being will be justified in his sight. 
since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Isn't that interesting? Now, Jesus is talking in the spiritual realm, not in the secular realm. In, in other words, the, the law can keep you from being arrested in the secular realm if you obey it outwardly. But what Jesus is talking about is inwardly and proper motivation that the law, therefore, is really there to give you knowledge of sin. Very, very important. Because apart from knowledge of sin, there's no need for forgiveness. It's like going to a doctor and he's saying, boy, you better drink this jug of medicine by tomorrow or else you're in trouble. You're going to ask him, well, what trouble am I going to be in? What's my illness? Nobody takes treatment until they understand the diagnosis. Similarly here, nobody takes forgiveness until they understand that they are sinners. Someone who practices sin will always give an excuse why they're sinning, usually blaming somebody else, but they love to sin, and that is shown because there's no repentance. So if you're a person who never repents, that means you are not contrite over the sin you have done and have faith in Jesus, you become a slave to sin. Because who owns you then? The devil. And Jesus goes on. Verse 35, John 8. The slave does not remain in the house forever. No. The, the slaves are not part of the household. They're workers for the farmer. They do their duty. And they don't stay in the house overnight and have a meal with the farmer. No, they leave. But the son remains forever. And you are sons of God if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yes, even women are considered as sons of God because in Jesus' day, it was the son that got the inheritance. And therefore, there's no distinction between male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. Because in that case, even if you are a slave by vocation, you still can be a son of God in light of the fact that you believe in the word of Jesus. Verse 36 really summarizes the Reformation principle. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Okay, what, what's the freedom we're talking about here? If you're a slave to sin, that means that you receive the due punishment of that sin. In the day that you sin, death is the result. That death is not taken away, except if someone would take the death for you. It would be like being sentenced to prison because you robbed a bank, and your father steps forward and says, I will take his sentence. Now, if it's not a misdemeanor, where it's only a fine and the father can pay that, if it's something more serious and there's jail time, 
the judge will not allow the father to take the time in prison on behalf of the son. But God the Father did have his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, take the time of being punished for your sin. So how did the son set you free? He took upon himself the punishment you deserved. And what's the worst punishment that can happen? That you are forsaken by the Father. And that's why the word from the cross, Jesus quoting Psalm 22 is so important. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is because you're carrying the sins of Tom Baker Everybody at KFUO, everybody in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, everybody in the whole world carried the sins to the cross and took the punishment so that now when you are forgiven, God no longer holds you accountable because the payment has already been made. And that payment becomes yours simply by abiding in the word of Jesus, which means trusting the promises of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness, and many other items. So this John 8 would be a a good text for Reformation because if anything the Reformation teaches us is that works don't make any difference to God as the basis or the foundation of why you go to heaven. No, it's faith in Jesus Christ. Or in other words, it's believing in him, according to verse 31, by abiding in his word, and you are truly his disciples. Now, you may want to preach also on the other gospel appointed for Reformation, which is Matthew 11, verses 12 to 19. Jesus begins, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Why does he mention John the baptizer? Very simple. He was beheaded. Why was he beheaded? Because preaching involves both preaching law and gospel. In the Bible study yesterday at the church I'm preaching at now, I was trying to explain the difference between law and gospel. And I said, uh, I've got 500 differences that I've had put in my mind over the past 40 years. But uh, this is one of them. And the way I like explaining it is by giving an analogy. I I talked about parents and children. When does a parent give the law? When does he give the gospel? I was saying that law and gospel does not refer to the content. You, You all know that. And I gave two questions. I said, tell me, is this law or gospel? Thou shalt not kill. Well, everybody agreed that was law. How about this one? Baptism now saves you. Oh, they understood that to be gospel. And I made the first distinction 
that law is always a conditional command. You get the end of it because of what you've done. Gospel is an unconditional promise. So, the example I gave, when do parents give law when they give the gospel? And they understood that. They understood we give the law when the child is disobedient and needs to be aware of that disobedience. You, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be hitting your brother. You should be making your bed. You should be taking out the garbage, etc. Those are kind of rules of the household. When you give the gospel, when you're giving them a gift they didn't expect, like, by the way, tomorrow we're going to go to McDonald's at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you, they say. So I said, was John the baptizer beheaded because of preaching law or gospel? Well, he preached the law uh, against the king because he was in an immoral marriage. Now, the king really liked him, and it wasn't until the woman he was married to, her daughter did a dance, and the king said, I'll give you anything you want, and she asked for the head of John the baptizer. And that's how violence came to him. And violence continued during that time. Remember in John chapter 9, the man born blind? Well, when he confessed that Jesus was the Christ, what did they do? They removed him from the synagogue. And then you got, well, later on after Jesus, Stephen stoned, and they attempted to throw Jesus off a cliff. They attempted to stone him. Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. You see, that's a prophecy found in Malachi that Elijah will come as a forerunner of the Christ. And John the baptizer makes it very clear. I'm not the Christ. <laughs> I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes, his sandals. But the one after me, he will baptize you, not just with repentance, but with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes very clear that John the baptizer is the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah, of, of Elijah to come. In fact, on the cross, when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. It sounds like he's calling to Elijah, whereas Eli really is my God, not, not the name Elijah. So they misunderstood it, thinking that, well, he's waiting for Elijah to come as a fulfillment to come down from the cross. And if you're willing to accept it, John the baptizer is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, why does violence come when you preach the law? Well, it's really putting down a person when you look at them and say, you think you're really good? You think that you're kind of perfect? Well, guess what? Like those Pharisees before, who didn't think they were slaves to anybody, when they practice sin, when they enjoy it, when they deny Jesus as the Christ, they are in slavery to sin. 
And so the law is really important to be preached. I, I make a purpose of every sermon is law and gospel. And remember what I said. Law is not simply saying the content of law. Gospel is not simply saying, well, Jesus Christ died on the cross. No. What law and gospel is, law is accusing the people in the pew of sinning and deserving eternal damnation. The gospel is because they are not practicing sin, but instead believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of that sin, then you tell them something that is really newsworthy to them, although they may not realize it, that God is not going to hold them accountable for their sin. That's what the Reformation was all about. We often talk about the solas or the onlys or the alones. Faith alone. Grace alone. Scripture alone. And finally, Christ alone. That's what's really important about law and gospel. So that the people in the pew are indicted and accused of not following the will of God, even though they may not be aware of it. I mean, they were not aware that murder also could occur by a thought or a word until they heard Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So that's proper preaching of the law. But people are going to get angry at you because they always want to defend themselves. You see, the unbeliever always works on the motivation of self-interest. And nobody's going to tell him that you're a poor, miserable sinner in need of a Savior. I don't need a Savior. My neighbor might. My employer might. I've got some friends who are really bad, but I'm not that bad. So a preaching of the law is necessary. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, the two hymns were A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and the other one selected is Salvation Unto Us Has Come. We're going to look at Salvation Unto Us Has Come because we've done, oh, about 10 times A Mighty Fortress is Our God over the years. And so be with us on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. And as we're nearing the end of the year, we're still short about $7,000 to pay for our expenses. And if you're at all willing to donate to Law and Gospel, uh, listen carefully at the end of the program. It'll tell you how to write out the check if you want an IRS deduction, and that would be to Concordia Mission Society. And it also gives you the address uh, to which to send the check. We certainly would appreciate that as we get nearer to the end of the year. Like I say, we're about $7,000 in need at this time. And we're also kind of looking forward uh, to continuing this week. Tomorrow will be a hymn for Reformation. Wednesday, we'll be talking about a Bible study that's really important for understanding the Reformation. Thursday, we're going to be with Wes Reimnitz, and I'm sure he's going to pick a Reformation theme. And then if you have any questions about what we've said Monday to Thursday, or just a question you have on your mind, that'll be open mic Friday. 
and that's this Friday at that time, namely 9.30. To remind you, the Wednesday Bible study, which we're continuing and doing, there are some congregations that gather together on Wednesday, a small group, especially if they don't have a pastor, and they listen to the Bible study for a half hour, and then they talk about it afterwards. And they can send me questions through the email, etc., that I can answer during the next Bible study or whenever, particularly maybe on Open Mic Friday. So gather a group of people, and you don't have to be at a church. There are some families that get together on Wednesdays at 9.30, and you don't even have to be there at 9.30. My program is archived. So let's say you decide to do it on Wednesday night or some other evening. Don't hesitate to turn it on, listen to it, and take part in that way. Again, I'm Tom Baker. Tomorrow, salvation unto us has come. And please listen to the address if you would be only too willing to send a check. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.